All right. Hello, everyone. My name is... Hey, whoever that was, awesome. Uh, my name is James. I'm the director of youth ministry here. Uh, clearly, Aaron isn't here. So if you hate me today, come back next week and Aaron will be here and just send your students to see me and I'll preach at them. Um, <clears throat> a couple of things, especially for you parents. Uh, there is no junior high class this week. Uh, I'm here and Alex is gone. Um, also, again, for you parents who, are in, who have high school students, uh, we're going through dating in two weeks, which is always my favorite time of the year, because it's essentially six weeks of me yelling at people. Um, it's, a lot, it's a lot more fun than that, but, so, yeah. Uh, I have one announcement, and that is geocaching. Has anyone gotten geocaching before? A few of you? You're like, yes, geocaching. Uh, we as a church are going to go geocaching. We're throwing this event. It's going to be September 29th. Sign-ups are due by September 22nd. Uh, we're going to start here on the 29th at 2, and then we'll go geocaching around the city, uh, and then town, whatever you want to call it, and, and then we'll meet somewhere for a barbecue. Um, if you haven't gone geocaching before, uh, think of like national treasure with a little bit more technology. So it's like a treasure map on your phone. Yeah, that just happened. Um, <laughs> You need a car, a smartphone, or a geocaching device. If you don't have one, we'll pair you up with someone who does and then bring some drinks so you can have something to drink at the barbecue and have something to drink while you're out geocaching. And also, as all geocaching events, make sure you bring a sense of adventure. Yeah, it's going to be awesome. So, um, anyways, you guys know about baptism, so I'm going to have you stand with me again for the reading of God's Word. Then you can sit down for a while, so... 1 Peter 4.12 starts with beloved. Uh, so beloved is a word where he is addressing believers. He's saying, Christians, beloved, do not be surprised at the fiery trial when it comes upon you to test you as though something strange were happening to you. Pray with me. Uh, Jesus, we thank you for being a God who loves us, who cares for us, um, who eventually and oftentimes tests us. God, that through testing, through hardship, um, you would teach us, you would grow us um, into who you made us to be, and that through hardship, we would become closer with you. Um, God, we thank you for being a good God, and in Jesus' name, amen. So, it is hot in here, so if everyone could breathe a little less, that would really help me, because you guys are like, oh man, it's kind of hot in here. I got these lights pointed right at my face. And uh, first service, I actually started to sweat right here. And so I went home real quick and grabbed an undershirt. So if you're like, I didn't see those spots on his shirt before, it's because I'm a very sweaty person. Um, anyways, we are continuing our series through Stupid Summer. Um, and in Stupid Summer, we are not calling anyone stupid. We are simply saying sometimes we believe some stupid things. And so this is our attempt to shed some biblical light on these subjects and, and bring these things out into the open. And so the topic that I am ever so blessed with is hard times means I'm not in God's will. And this is where one of the stupid things we believe. And, and this one hits home for a lot of us because a lot of us understand hardship. We, we all go through hardship, times where life feels difficult, like we're suffering. And if you're like, I'm not in a season of hardship right now, wait till, like, tomorrow. <laughs> and you will be. Um, 
But maybe, maybe your hardship is some sort of physical pain where you're sick, you have an illness, you have a disease, your body is failing you in some way, and that's difficult, that's a hardship. Maybe your hardship is a hardship of words, and you've said something that you regret, and it's kind of haunted you for the past season. Maybe someone has said something against you, um, and that cut you deeply, and now you're almost finding your identity in what they said and not in Christ. Maybe your, fine, maybe your hardship is financial and you lost your job and you don't know where money is going to come from next month. Or maybe you spent all your money foolishly and you're like, I got no money for rent now. Um, maybe your hardship is a hardship of relationships. Um, and you, the people that you love are not here. Let's say you came to Vandenberg and, and you're a single guy, you're a single lady, and you're stationed at Vandenberg and your family and your friends are in another state and that's difficult because you don't have those people now. Maybe your hardship of relationships is that you want to be married and you're not. Maybe you're on the reverse side of that coin and you're married and it's difficult. Uh, and, and there is difficulty in your marriage and you guys feel like you haven't agreed on anything since you both said, I do. And there's brokenness and bitterness and maybe even some sort of infidelity. Maybe your hardship is children. And you thought once upon a time that children were a great idea. Then you had a couple and you're like, why does the Bible call these things a blessing? I don't get it, but I'm learning. Um, yeah, maybe maybe it's your your hardship with children is that your children are in junior high or high school um, or they're adult children and they don't see everything you've done for them and they don't understand it and they feel like you you think that they feel almost entitled and they don't see what you've given up and you want them to love Jesus and they don't love Jesus and that's difficult um, for many of us we go through hardships of a spiritual nature. Um, You've had moments in your life where you feel like Jesus is close, and you've had moments in your life where you feel like Jesus could not be further away. Uh, We're singing this song. I asked Sean to do this song called Obsession, and it's one of my favorite songs, and it has this line that talks about, sometimes you're closer than my skin, and sometimes you're further than the moon. And I think many of us feel like Jesus has taken a trip to the moon and hasn't come back. We see him, we see him in the life of others, we know that there's scripture, we know that he's real, but there's a lot of doubt and little faith and little trust in him, and we don't feel him. And usually when we enter into some sort of hardship, we ask the question, why? Why? Why me? Why now? Why this? Why would you do this to me? How could you do this to me? Why would you let this happen to me? And and, and It's like we're willing to follow God's law and God's will as long as it means we're happy. And so if we're unhappy, then we start to question God. And you see that it's not so much of a question of why as much as it is an accusation. And we start accusing God of not being good because we don't feel good right now or for this season or for years maybe. And so instead of just asking the question, why and accusing God. I want to talk about some questions that we can talk to God about, we can pray about, we can talk to others about. So the first question I think we should ask when we enter into uh, some sort of hardship in any capacity is, why am I here? Why am I here? And there's a couple answers to this question. I think the most common answer, um, 
probably 90 to 95% of the time, the answer is, I'm here because I messed up or sinned in some way. I messed up or sinned in some way. We are a sinful people. You see, from Adam to us now, we have inherited a sinful nature. Uh, Ephesians 2.1 says, And you were dead in the trespasses of your sins, in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. We have inherited a nature prone to wander from God, that we long for disobedience, we long for destruction, we long for rebellion. And so we cause sin, and there are consequences for this sin. This does not mean that all sin is because, or all hardship is because of sin, but most of it is. Let's say you are continuing in sexual immorality and get some sort of disease. Well, that is a hardship brought on by sin. Proverbs 22.8 says, Whoever sows injustice will reap calamity. If you kill someone and go to jail, that hardship is brought on by sin. If you go speeding down the freeway and get a $400 ticket, that hardship is brought on by stupidity. Um, if, you, if, you, if you spend all your money on lotto tickets and Bud Light, you see that that's brought on by the sin of Bud Light. You know, it's... It's, it's really simple to connect these things. And, and in instances like this, we can't say, why would God do this to me? No, we did this to ourselves. We did. You're a sinner. I'm a sinner. We're sinners. And there are repercussions for those actions. And we love to blame God. We love to blame God. We do this all the time. We say, God, why would, why would you cause this person to have a heart attack? Well, when you, when you eat Big Macs and Little Caesars five days a week, it's, it's going to happen. I mean, it's going to happen. For those of you who are students, we go, why would God cause me to fail this test? Well, did you study? Okay, so many students go into tests and they go, God, I just need a good grade on this test. God has answered that prayer. Study. And, and not just the night before. You know, many of us, we go, my boss is cranky and a jerk and has it out for me. Well, when you show up 15 minutes late, three days a week, leave half an hour early, four days a week, always ask for time off, and then constantly complain about work while you're there, I'd be cranky towards you too. Kind of one of those things. We have hardships in relationships, and we don't understand why everyone is angry or cranky or, or jerks to us. And then we look at ourselves and we go, oh, that's how I treat everyone else. And they have learned to communicate with me through that way because that's how I commute with, communicate with everyone else. And our thought is, well, they need to accept me for who I am because God made me rough around the edges. <laughs> now you need to repent. Let's just be real here. Uh, and you see that a lot of hardship and a lot of, of, a lot of hardship is brought on by our sin and our selfishness and our mistakes. And what's great about this answer is that it's very easy to connect the dots from what I did to why I'm here. 
We see that there are repercussions for actions. And so um, we sin in some way, and then we see that hurts this relationship. That hurt me. This relationship is suffering because of that. Our body is suffering because of that. And, and we bring more hardship into our life than any of us would ever like to admit. Just being real with you. None of us would admit the amount of hardship we bring into our life because of sin and mistakes and, and stupid things that we do. And, it, and it's not that we can play the Job card all the time. Because we're like, I don't understand why all this suffering is happening. You know, God is causing all this suffering in my life. It's always his fault. And, and let me tell you, if you are... If you have replaced God as God and put yourself in the judgment seat and are judging God, um, not only is that stupidly prideful, but it's not going to help you in hardship. Um, In a while, we're going to offer communion. You should repent of that sin and then come take communion. Because you see that we replace God and then cause all kinds of hardship in our life. Now, God is a God who is abounding in grace and mercy and forgiveness, and he offers us time and time again to repent, and he grants us forgiveness, but this doesn't mean our hardship just goes away. Okay? This doesn't mean God is going to bust you out of jail if you repent. This doesn't mean God is going to restore your marriage tomorrow if there is some sort of infidelity. This doesn't mean that God is going to write you a new paycheck if you foolishly spend all your money. Okay? Sometimes we suffer because of our sin. And there is grace and there is redemption and there is forgiveness in that that God brings. But that doesn't mean that suffering goes away right away. So we need to ask the question, why am I here? So that's like the 90-95% of the time. Now let's talk about the 10 to maybe 5% of the time that something else happens. What the sermon is actually called. Yeah. Um... Maybe you are in hardship because that's where God has you. God has placed you in that hardship. Why am I here? Because God brought me here. Occasionally, God sends us into hardship. You, You look at Abraham and how Abraham is asked to sacrifice his son, Isaac, and how difficult that would be. You look how Abraham is promised a son and then is told, not even told, but has to wait 40, 60 years. He waits a long time. You see Joseph and how Joseph is thrown in prison, how Joseph is wrongly accused. He spends his 20s in prison because someone falsely accused him. You see God the Father sent Jesus Christ to come and suffer and die. It is the Father's plan for the Son to come and die and experience hardship like no one else ever has or ever will. You look at Jesus' life and you see a man who is familiar with suffering, who is familiar with grief and pain, who weeps, who is broken. Isaiah 53.3 says this, He was despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. As one whom men hide their faces, he was despised and we esteemed him not. This is scripture describing Jesus' life for us. A man of sorrows, acquainted with grief. NIV says, familiar with pain. The Son of God, Jesus Christ, part of the Godhead Trinity, taken on human form and is familiar with suffering and pain and brokenness. Not because of his sin, but because that's where God placed him. Um, One of my favorite stories about 
this, and favorite books of the Bible about this, is the book of Hosea. If you have a Bible, open to the book of Hosea. And, and Hosea is a, is a kind of younger, godly guy. He loves Jesus. He's a single dude. Um, and God is going to use him as a prophet. Um, and I think Hosea starts off with some of the saddest opening verses to any book of the Bible. So this is going to be Hosea chapter 1, verse 2. Yes, Hosea chapter 1, verse 2. When the Lord first spoke through Hosea. So these are God's first words to Hosea. Okay, Godly guy, loves God. God now speaks to him, and this is the first thing God says. The Lord said to Hosea, Go take to yourself a wife of whoredom, and have children of whoredom. For the land commits a great whoredom by forsaking the Lord. That is not what single dudes who love Jesus want to hear from Jesus. Especially about their future and and their marriage. Go get a wife who is a prostitute who's made her living sleeping with other men. If God said that to me when I was single, I'd be like, yeah, I'm going to call back later. (laughs) This is clearly the wrong number. See, single guys want to hear, hey, I have a nice girl for you. She has saved herself for her marriage. Um, She is going to bring so much joy into your life. She's going to help you be the man that I made you to be. Your relationship, your marriage is going to be blessful. It's going to be like the Garden of Eden before sin. And we're like, yes. And then we get, and then that's not what happens. But, (laughs) But at least it's not like this. This is God's plan for Hosea's life. A wife of whoredom. This is crazy. And in the first couple chapters of Hosea, you see that that his wife is not faithful to him. That she continues to run back to the brothel. She continues to run back to her old life. And God doesn't say, you know what, Hosea? You really tried. You tried to love that woman, and and she kept running away from you. And and you know what? You gave it your best effort, and you just need to end it because it's not happening. Just divorce her. That's not what God says. God says, you run back to the brothel. You bust into the room where she's having sex with another man. Kill that guy, and then take your wife back home. You continue to offer grace, repentance, forgiveness. You continue to pursue her. And you see that the book of Hosea is God, is God comparing Hosea's marriage to God's people's relationship with him and God's relationship with his people. That I saved these people. These are my chosen people. These are the people that I love and I care for. And they continue to run back to their old life of whoredom that leads to death and destruction. And I continue to pursue them. It's an amazing, amazing book. Very convicting. Um, And at some point, you will enter into hardship because that's where God has placed you. It it might be your job. And you work hard and you work well at your job, but you just can't get ahead. Maybe it's that God has placed you in the life of someone who is close to you so that you can walk through that suffering with them. That you enter into a season of hardship because God has placed you in the life of someone else. This is what I think gospel community should be. Shared life and shared 
hardship. Now, yes, it is inconvenient to walk through the hardship of someone else, but that's maybe what you were called to do. A lot of times we go, I got my own junk, I got my own sin, I got my own problems. I can't deal with you right now. And we need to ask, is this where God has placed me? Has God placed me in this person's life so that I can minister and walk through this hardship with them? No one has said ministry is easy. No one has said discipleship is easy. No one has said living in gospel community will be easy. But is this where God wants you? Has God placed you in this hardship? So, am I in this hardship because that's where God placed me? I think there's um, maybe one more, or there's probably a couple more answers, but one more answer that I'm going to talk about today, um, and that is, uh, why am I here? Uh, This is beyond my understanding. (laughs) You don't understand how hot it is. (laughs) You don't. Get all southern preacher on you guys soon. Um... So, this is beyond my understanding. Um, You see that sometimes we enter into hardship and we got nothing. We pray and we honestly seek God and we got nothing. You look at Job, and this is what happened to Job. You read like the 43 or 48 chapters of Job, and at the end of Job, you go, I don't get it. Uh, What? What? How did this? I don't understand. Um, And I don't want to talk too much about this because Aaron spoke on this a couple weeks ago. If you have questions on this, if you want to know more about this, please go back and listen to the sermon called God Causes Everything. It's in the Stupid Summer series. It says God Causes Everything. So, after you've gone through why am I here, you need to ask, how should I respond? Why am I here? How should I respond? Do I need to change direction? Is there unrepentant sin in my life that I need to repent of? If I have caused this hardship, then there needs to be some sort of repentance and and change. And real repentance. Not just, whoops, my bad, I'm sorry about that. I'm going to change for a day and then go back to it. Actual, real repentance. 2 Corinthians 7.10 says, For godly grief produces a repentance that leads to salvation without regret, whereas worldly grief produces death. You, me, we need to take responsibility and own that and repent of that. Not try and shift the blame onto God or family or our spouse or our kids or the devil or friends. You and me, right here. If we're in hardship because of sin, it's our fault. And through God's grace and forgiveness and wonderful mercy, we get to move away from that. We get to walk away from going against God and walk to God. We had to go, I was living in a life of sin, and I'm going to turn around and walk towards you through your grace. Do I need to repent? Another answer to this question is, do I need to stick with this? You see, the change is not always the right answer. If God has placed you in this hardship and you change, then you ask yourself, why am I in this hardship? Oh, that's right, because I sinned and went against God. You look at Jonah. Jonah's a great example of this. I'm not going to talk too much about Jonah because I trust that you can read four chapters of Jonah this week. It's that long. You're welcome. Um, So if God has caused this hardship, if God has brought this hardship into your life, we need to take courage. Take courage. Take strength in him because that's where he has us. 
You look at Hosea, and what if Hosea decided, you know what, I'm done. I'm done with this. I'm done with her. It is not good for me. It's not good for my pride, for my honor, for my self-esteem. It's not good for my children to watch their mom run back to the whorehouse. I'm done with this. I'm going to divorce her, take my kids, and raise them differently. And you see, a lot of times where God has, has placed us and if God has placed hardship in our life, we can easily get out of it. You see that no one would bat an eye if Hosea decided to divorce his wife. No one would bat an eye. But that's not what God has called him. You see, many of us, that we go through some sort of hardship that God brings into our life, and, and we can get out of it, and no one would think that that was wrong. Let me give you an example. Um, let's say someone is just being evil towards you. Let's say a coworker is just being a jerk towards you, just constantly in selfishness, um, taking it out on you, blaming things on you, pinning things on you, giving you a bad rap, things of that nature. And we're like, God, I don't understand. God, I don't understand. God, I don't understand. And we get to a point where we're like, this is it. I am going to return evil for evil. I'm going to give them a taste of their own medicine, and, and it's going to be over because I'm going to come back with a vengeance. Strike back like the empire right now. Um, I think that's cool. Uh, <clears throat> but it means that we disobey God. James 4.17 says, Whoever knows the right thing to do and fails to do it, for him it is sin. This, it is sin. M- Matthew 4, sorry, Matthew 5.44 and 45 says, But I say, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, so that you may be sons of your Father who is in heaven. We read that and we go, I don't like that. That's not, that's not what I think. I think I'd be evil to evil, and, and, they, and they stop. And, and we, we come up with all kinds of sayings to justify these kinds of actions. My favorite of which is, uh, Jesus wouldn't understand. Wouldn't understand how evil they're being. Which again, we're going to have communion. You can repent of that too, because you see how arrogant it is for us to tell all-powerful God that he wouldn't understand really kind of puts us in our place. Uh, uh, maybe we don't do that. Maybe we convince ourselves that Jesus would understand. He would understand how evil they're being. He would approve that we should return evil for evil. This is what I need to do to stop my suffering. And Jesus wants me to, to be happy. And so he will approve of what my evil plan is. Then we come across verses like 1 Peter 3, 9. Do not repay evil for evil, but on the contrary, bless. For this is what you were called, that you may obtain a blessing. If Jesus has placed suffering in your life, he has you there for a reason. Maybe that reason is repentance. Maybe that reason is growth. Maybe that reason is to show you how you treat other people. But it's foolish of us to run away from God. Hardships are, hardships are a time where we should run to God, not away from him. So my third and last question. What can I learn? What, what, what can I learn? Why am I here? How should I respond? What can I learn? 
See, I think we spend more time being angry with God than we do asking him to teach us something. We are too busy blaming God or questioning God that we don't see what he's teaching us or how he's growing us. We don't ask him to teach us. We simply sit there and cry, woe is me, oh poor me, I'm a victim, no one understands. And I get that there is a time to be broken. I really understand that there is a time to be broken and for tears. I'm not saying never be broken about it. I'm saying we take that time way too far. We value our own comfort over the will of God. And so we become hard-hearted and blind and deaf to him. We grow so calloused that we don't see him pursuing us in the midst of our hardship. We go so calloused and so accusatory towards God of not being good that we don't see his goodness all around us. See, hard times are often a great time of learning, or at least they should be. C.S. Lewis says, God shouts in our pain. It is his megaphone to rouse a deaf world. Even in that 90% of the time where our hardship is brought on by our own sin and stupidity, God still uses that time to grow us, to teach us, to mature us, to give us insights, to insight to situations so that we can help others encourage and strengthen others. Through hardship, we're taught obedience. And it's not that Jesus is beating obedience into us. It's that we learn to trust him and his will. Because we got nothing else. Romans 8.28 says this, And for we know that those who love God, all things work together for good, for those who are called according to his purpose. Now, this verse doesn't mean that Jesus only brings good things into our life, but rather it stems from Genesis fifty twenty, where Joseph says, what you meant for evil, God meant for good. God uses our hardships, either sin or not sin, to teach us, to grow us, to encourage us, to strengthen us, to love us. And because of that, there should be a great sense of encouragement within us. This is why Philippians 4.4 4 says, Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. That even though life is hard, rejoice. Even though life is hard, Jesus is still Lord. Jesus still loves. He still pursues. He pursues you. He pursues me. He pursues the lost. He has defeated Satan's sin and death. That is reason for rejoicing. That even though we are going through hardships now, Jesus sent, God sent his son to come die for us. To take our sin, our shame, our punishment, so that we might suffer for a little while, but don't have to suffer eternally. And because of that, there should be rejoicing. Even in our hardship, God is still good. And so we rejoice. We can rejoice together. This is one of the reasons we do uh, baptisms the way that we do. We come together and we go, that's my brother, that's my sister in Christ. I love them. I love Jesus. Let's rejoice with them. 
even though my life might be hard right now, even though I don't understand everything that's happening in my life right now, even though Jesus is teaching me in a way that I don't care for, I'm going to rejoice with them. Because God has moved in their life, and I'm excited on that. That's why we do baptisms the way that we do. That's why we we come to communion every week. We come to communion and we say, um, God is good, God is loving, God is gracious, and, and life is difficult. But God is still good. And so we come to communion and we break the cracker, which represents his body, which was broken for us. And we dip it in the wine or the grape juice, which represents his blood that was spilled for us. And we go, thank you. Thank you for making it so I don't have to suffer eternally. God, life is hard right now and I don't understand. Speak to me. God, I see my sin. I want to repent of that. I want to repent of that and move away from sin and into new life that you bring. We worship God through music. The band's going to come up and and they're going to play a few songs and we sing about his grace and forgiveness and redemption. We're going to sing that song um, called Obsession. It talks about sometimes God is far away, sometimes God is close, but but either way, no matter where we are, we still see that that God is a God who loves us and who loves his children and pursues his children. Um, we worship God through prayer. I think this is a this is a a big one. And there are there are people in the back who would be excited to pray for you. They're, they're going to be in that hallway. And if you are going through some sort of hardship right now, maybe you know why you're in this hardship. Maybe you think God has placed you in this hardship. Maybe you're like, dude, I got no idea why this is happening. Go back and pray with them. I would encourage you if your if your gospel community leader is here or if anyone from your gospel community is here, go pray with them. Go say, hey, can you pray for me? We have a prayer room in the back. It's also a copy room. Um, But there's some chairs in there. It's actually a nice little sitting area. You can go back there. You can go outside. You can go into, you know, the office area. You can go somewhere and pray. Pray with someone. If someone asks you to pray, don't be like, dude, I'm too busy for you. Go pray with them. Go pray with them. Maybe God is placing that person in your life so that you can walk through that hardship with them. We worship God through tithes and offerings. We see that that we have been blessed, and so um, we give back to God. We say, God, this is all yours already. Here is some back. And then we worship God through community. There's goodies in the back. There's going to be people back there. There's baptisms today. Um, If you're not involved in a gospel community, get involved in a gospel community. If you are in a gospel community, actually live life together. Not just once a week, not just there for two hours, but do life together. Talk about some of these these things. Talk about hardship. This is difficult for me. Can you pray for me? This is difficult for me. Will you walk walk through this with me? I love Jesus. You love Jesus. You love me. I love you. Let's do life together. And we worship God through that. God is glorified through that. And you see that we are not just blessed for ourselves, but we are blessed to be a blessing. So we go out into our city and into our world, and and we share the love of God, not just by word of mouth, but by action. All right. Will you guys pray with me? Uh, um, 
God, we thank you for being a God who loves us, who pursues us, who doesn't abandon us in hardship, who doesn't look down on us and say, oh, that looks difficult. Who is a God who says, I understand difficulty. I understand hardship. Let me teach you. Let me grow you. Let me strengthen you. Let me encourage you. God, I pray that in times of hardship, we would not be your children who run away, but we would be your children who run to you. Whether you let us understand it or not, we would run to you. You would be our strength. You would be our strong tower. You would be our encouragement. You would be our reason for living. Because we see without you, there is nothing. God, I pray when we enter into hardship that you would send people into our lives to help us and that we would be those who long to bless others in this way. And in through community and in, in our daily lives, God, we would glorify your name. In Jesus' name, amen.